Prayer is the most powerful thing we can do in our days, but all too often it gets drowned out by the noise around us. But what if the noise in our earbuds could help us tune out the noise of the world and instead tune in to our most important conversation? That's why we're here, to bring you inspiring conversations, practical how-tos, and guided prayers to help you pray like you never thought possible. I'm Valerie Warner, and this is Prayer in a Noisy World. On today's show, I'm interviewing Felicia Masonheimer, author of Stop Calling Me Beautiful and the co-author of the soon-to-be-released book, The Flirtation Experiment. If you're on Instagram, you've likely seen Felicia's wisdom on theology, the church, productivity, and so much more. If not, I highly recommend checking her out, especially her weekly newsletter called Conlectio, as well as her eBooks and blog content, all at FeliciaMasonheimer.com. Now, here's my interview with Felicia Masonheimer. Welcome, Felicia. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you today. Thanks for having me, Val. This is so fun. Yes. So when the idea of discipline comes to my mind, I always remember this Instagram stories that you did about your daily routine. And I just remember messaging you one day saying, like, how do you do this when you're tired? Because um, it was always motivating you to see to see you do that. But I would think about those moments when I'm tired. And I remember your answer. You said, you just do it. You just, you had the discipline to do it. And that's what I want to talk about today, because I think that is a hard place to get to, but, um, you, it was just encouraging to hear that that was something that you can learn, but I want to talk about how that applies to our prayer lives. Um, so let's get started just hearing first, what does your prayer routine actually look like right now? So I use this journal. It's super awesome. It's by Valmarie Paper. <laughs> um, and I really do. No, I really, really do. And I love it. It has helped me so much um, to be diligent and disciplined in my prayer life. But right now, um, typically, I do have a structured prayer time at least once a day. And mm -hmm. that's in the morning, ideally early in the morning. Um, I have three small children, so getting up around 6 a.m. before they're all awake is ideal for us. And so my husband and I have lately been going downstairs and um, doing our own separate study together in the living room. And after I do my Bible study is when I take time to pray. And so I'll look over the different requests that I've been praying over that month and focus on a few that I feel led to pray for. That's a tip I learned from Richard Foster um, in his book on prayer when he talked about how when you're overwhelmed by what there is so much to pray for, ask the Lord to convict you of what to pray for of those things. And so that's a principle that I follow. And so I'll just pray through some of the requests and then I'll usually end by writing out a prayer in the journal. I use, I think the signature, so I have space for that. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, really helpful for me because it helps me keep focused writing out my prayers. I usually do one or two pages. That's it. Um, it helps keep my mind engaged while I'm praying. Yeah. I love that tip from Richard Foster because that is something that we hear, you know, with prayer journal users, especially like, how do you not get overwhelmed with 
wanting to just cover everything in prayer. So I love that. I think um, our listeners are going to find that really helpful. Um, what, so, so physically it looks like journaling and asking God what to pray for from your list. Do you pray out loud at all? Or, um, yeah, tell us about just any kind of ways that you pray like that. Yeah. So in the morning, I usually don't pray out loud. I'm usually praying silently and then writing out my prayers, but I also pray throughout the day and This is something that I've been working on for several years. I'd say three or four years. I've really been working on just praying throughout my day as I'm going through tasks. As somebody texts me and says, hey, can you pray for this? Or Mm -hmm. as I hear that someone is struggling or I see something on Facebook, I stop and I pray for that throughout the day. I used to do this on my commute when I was working full time. I would use my commute to pray. I will pray out loud when I go for walks. I, that is one of the only times that I'm completely alone because we're self-employed and we homeschool. So there's people around me all the time. (laughs) And so I will sometimes pray out loud in front of my kids. Um, they'll hear me praying for something or I'll invite them to pray with me, but I do like to go for walks so I can pray out loud alone. Yeah. I love that. And we have, we live in a neighborhood. So like I have to get a little bit further out, like towards this lake that's near us. Um, but when I do, I do feel like the motion of walking and praying out loud together, it's, it's very easy to keep going when you're doing that. So, mm-hmm. um, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing just like what your actual prayer routine looks like. Um, I would love to hear how discipline plays a part. Like we know that, um, some days are harder than others. So how do you stay motivated, um, to keep praying maybe when you don't feel like it, or maybe when the kids are, um, they wake up early or something like that. How do you, um, continue that discipline in those hard moments? Discipline is definitely something that we learn. That's why it's called discipline, right? You know, you're showing up and you're, you're learning. It comes from the Latin disciplio. And what that means is to be a learner, to be a, a disciple or a student. And so you're teaching yourself to make something a habit. And that means that if your circumstances change, you have to be flexible or you have to find a way to make it work. And so if my kids wake up, they often will wake up and see me doing my Bible study time. I will just continue to do it with them there. Um, we, we do teach our kids. We have a six, almost six-year-old, almost four-year-old, teach our kids to make their own breakfast. We teach them to be very self-starting. So that is helpful um, so that they can go make their own breakfast or I invite them to join me in what I'm doing or to play quietly in the living room. And so they get to see me seeking the Lord's face. That's important to me because my parents' spiritual lives being visible was very impactful on my own Christianity and my own desire to follow the Lord and understand that what they were teaching me wasn't just words. It was actually lived in their lives. So I don't mind my kids seeing me do this. Now, when I don't feel like it, I think this is another thing about discipline is that discipline by nature is not feelings based, but as you continue to show up and say, you know what, I don't feel like it right now, but my feelings aren't what dictates my life. Um, My priorities dictate my life. And you say, I want to prioritize the Lord. And so this is a step of faith in me showing up to prayer, despite my feelings And I'm trusting that God's going to do something with that. And you keep doing that. 
long enough, consistently enough, your feelings start to change. Mm -hmm. And now I desire to spend this time in the morning or in the afternoon if it doesn't work out in the morning because I feel like something's missing when it doesn't happen. Discipline brings freedom. Eventually you are free from that struggle to show up because you've disciplined yourself to show up. I I love that because I think it can be a little confusing when you think about like fake it till you make it. Like, are you faking it? Or um, like you want it to be, you want to, you want that desire to be there for the Lord. And you feel like if it's not there, then it's pretend. But um, you, you basically said you're prioritizing the Lord. It is a priority, a priority that you make that's not feelings based. So I love just that emphasis of how that's different. Um, man, I feel like we can, we can dig so much into this of, of like, how do you get to a place where, um, you prioritize prayer? Like, you, you know, that it's important. How do you get there? If you haven't seen that before, like, how do you get to a place where you know that I want to prioritize this? Um, for those people who maybe feel like I've never really seen God work in big ways, um, I hear people talk about it, but I still just feel like it's just kind of bland and um, not something worth putting all this effort into. Usually the problem in cases like that is that they don't pray specific prayers. If you're praying, Lord, bless this day, bless this food, um, help me today. It's good that you're coming to him. But if you want to see God move, you have to be specific in what you're praying for. And we also know that this is about relationship and consistent relationship. So people who approach God to test God and say, well, I tried prayer once and it didn't work. Well, it's relationship and it's cultivated over time. And through that relationship is when you start to notice the movements of God. I'm amazed at the end of every month when I go through and I write down how God has moved and how he has worked in the lives of the people who I've been praying for to see just the small, subtle things that have happened. But if you don't pray specifically, then you aren't going to see specifically. You're yeah. you're going to say, I don't know if that's from God. I don't know if it's this. I don't know if it's that. Because it was just very general. It was just very um, sometimes apathetic. And so I would encourage praying specifically over whatever it might be and remember that even the answer you don't want is an answer. God is still mm -hmm. answering you. It just might not yeah. be the one you, the answer that you want. I mean, I'm walking through a very difficult situation um, right now of loss in our family that it seems right now like the prayer that we're all praying is being answered in the very opposite um, way than we wanted. But that doesn't mean that God hasn't answered or that God is not working. He, he is. Yeah, no, that's, that's all very true. What about, I think about um, the idea that it can be scary to pray specific prayers, like, because we don't know, um, maybe we don't feel comfortable that we know God's will. I know um, a big reason we named the book Pray Confidently and Consistently is because we want to pray with confidence. And so often we can pray just kind of like, uh, kind of want this God, but like whatever your will is, like we, there's no conviction or strength in it. Um, so how would you, um, suggest to like get to a place where you can pray specifically with confidence? 
Well, you have to understand that God's not asking you to guess his will. He just wants you to walk in step with his will as he reveals it. So you get to bring all of the desires of your heart to him. He already sees and knows them, but he wants relationship with you. And that's the point of you being honest about what you desire and what you're praying for in the lives of other people. It's not like God's, you know, here, try to pray for these things. But while you're trying to pray for them, I want you to try and guess what my will is going to be for them. That's not Mm -hmm. what he's doing. You know, he's not playing a game with us. He is sovereign, but he's invited us to be a part of his movements in the world. And that means praying is is an act of partnership with the Lord and relationship with the Lord. And so we get to pray specifically because it it reveals to him the, the heart that is within us. He already sees and knows because he's mm-hmm. he's all knowing, but it reveals that desire for a relationship because he is relational and it changes us through that process. So he's not asking you to guess his will and he's not playing games with you. He will reveal his will, but he will do it in the context of relationship. And that's why you need to pray. I love that. That's so good. It, it is Um, we do hear that often, just like that paralysis that can come of just being afraid to pray the wrong things and, um, kind of overthinking like what the right thing is to pray. And I've been reading gentle and lowly, um, and by, I think it's Dane Ortland, but, um, just hearing, you know, like for those of us who might have like an impression of God, that's like, um, a little bit more, you know, like, obviously the, the God who desires righteousness and us to like follow him and um, different things. Like we forget how gracious he is in that when we do come to him in prayer, it's not because, you know, we don't come all cleaned up and like perfect. And like, he's, he's not waiting for us to come like that. He's, he's telling us to come to him because he is the only one who can, who can heal our hearts, who can change our hearts, who can, um, you know, here are confessions. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's great. And I hope that encourages anyone who just gets overwhelmed with that idea of, of being afraid to pray something, you know? Um, I would love to hear just some of the obstacles that you feel like you've faced in your prayer life. It can have to do with focus. It could be anything, just things that you feel like have been, um, stumbling blocks in the past and maybe how you overcame some of those. Well, focus is hard. It can be so Mm -hmm. hard. I get distracted too. Um, And of course, the phone is the biggest thing. And not having that with me is the most helpful thing I can do. So I usually have it on a charging station when I am praying. Um, And I think writing out my prayers, which I mentioned earlier, has been a big help in that regard. Because sometimes when you're sitting there trying to pray, it'll be like, oh man, I need to make that for dinner. And oh, I need to add that to my list. And so I do two things. First, I write out my prayers. It helps focus my time. Secondly, I do keep a little notepad or my planner next to me. And if something pops in my head, I'll just write it down really fast so I don't Mm -hmm. forget and then close it and (laughs) leave it alone. Yeah. And and then you can move on and continue with your prayer time. Another thing you can do is set a timer think you've talked about that before Val um Mm -hmm. set a timer so that you know you have 10 minutes and then it's like okay you can go without your phone and without getting up for 10 minutes um 
it just takes again that discipline yeah it 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 is amazing how a timer like if you just know it's almost like you're just you you are comfortable with doing something for a certain amount of time for some reason so you're able to relax and like settle into that space a lot more than if you don't do it and you don't know if the time's going to be 10 or 15 minutes and but you also have all these like open channels that sounds weird to say but like you know you know, your kids might come in or you might check an email, things like that. So I do love that. Uh, I forget about the timer, but I think that's a great, a great reminder. Um, what have been some of the biggest answered prayers in your life that maybe confirmed to you that God does hear you and, um, kind of let you know that he cares about your prayers? Oh, I have a couple Um, the first would be our house. So we used to live in town, um, in a small Michigan town that, that we're in. Um, and we knew we wanted to move out of town as our kids got bigger and the taxes in town were expensive. And so I won't get into the whole story because it was just full of answered prayer after answered prayer. But two things stood out about it. First, I was praying very specifically um, for it. We had to have a tight time frame. Us getting our current farmhouse was completely dependent on the sale of our other house. And our other house was very small and it had a very small master bedroom. And a lot of people, we had 25 showings in five days and nobody was offering. Nobody. Mm -hmm. And so that's what, that's weird. And so to eventually see in a span of 30 days for one offer to fall through and then a new offer come back that was lower and we were going to have to pay extra money to afford our farmhouse and it was going to be tough. And then the person who offered raised their offer, their own offer, they countered themselves um, so that all we needed to afford this house was $40. Wow. It was specific, specific answers to prayer through the whole process. And one cool thing that happened, um, or the other thing that happened during that process was, um, as we were in the middle of all of this, praying specifically, trying to get, you know, these offers to coordinate and see if it all would go through. Um, I got a text from a girl I'd met three years before I'd invited her over because she was new to the area. And then she kind of went to a different circle of friends. And so I didn't see her anymore, but she texted me and said, is your house for sale? And I said, yeah. And she said, wow, well, I just wanted you to know I drive past your house on my way to work every morning. And I've made a habit of praying over the houses that I see are for sale for the family that's selling them and for whoever is moving in. And I've been praying for your house for the last two weeks, not knowing that it was yours. Wow. And so just to see the amazing influence of our prayer and then her prayer, not even knowing who we were, to answer so specifically Um, And our realtor who helped us through the process was not a believer. And so for him to see that, I think it was just really a powerful experience. That's, that's probably the thing that stands out most to me um, when I think about answered prayers. That I love that. And I I think when I hear stories like that, I'm just 
reminded that I want to be that like that girl who who in your story just was a reminder that this was a result of prayer. Like the idea that we can do that for a friend right now who is have, going through something hard, we can send a text, we can send the Bible verse and say, hey, I'm praying this over you. And um, just be that reminder that God cares about us and cares about prayer. It can change the other person's prayer life. So that's neat. I love that so much. What have been some of the biggest no's and what have they taught you about God? And I think I know one that you will share, but I'd love to hear you share. Yes, you probably do know one of the ones (laughs) I'm going to share. One of the most powerful no's that I received was when I was a lot younger. Um, And this was at the beginning, I would say, of my real prayer life. Like I wouldn't say it was as strong back then. I, I think I... I often didn't pray very specifically, but I think I was about 19 at the time and I had been talking to a guy for um, several years who was not a believer and we were friends, but I definitely had more feelings Mm -hmm. for him than friendship. He was deployed and we had been writing letters for all of the time that he was deployed. And so I was driving back from college and I was just feeling so frustrated because I cared very much about this guy. And I just, I knew what scripture said about being unequally yoked. I knew that it would be unwise. And I knew that I took my faith very seriously, but I just was holding out so much hope that he would, you know, share my faith. And so I prayed on my drive home. I said, Lord, um, please just make it clear to me somehow if there's any chance that we could be together, please just show me. And so I was home for a couple of weeks for Christmas, I think it was. And within the first three days of coming home, I had two different people in my life who didn't know my situation who didn't know my prayer, who didn't know anything about what was going on in my life. They were just, you know, friends in the outer circle, if you will, older Mm -hmm. friends, like um, older Christian women specifically. Talk to me in the course of a conversation, like running into them in the grocery store, randomly bring up the fact that they were so grateful that they were equally yoked with their husbands. (gasps) Oh, wow. I mean, that's, that is bizarre. Like no one since that time has ever brought something like that up randomly to me. Like, I don't, I can't think of a single time. Just <laughs> yeah. like, you know, t- just in the course of kind of, how is, how is my uncle Ken doing? Oh, he's great. You know, he did this recently and it just it showed me just, I'm so grateful that he and I are on the same page spiritually. Like how absurd. So two times that happened within the first three days I came home. And of course I'm thinking, Hmm, well, still, I mean, it doesn't mean that it's God. (laughs) (laughs) And I know. So, so why do we do that? So I then went to a friend's wedding and I was single as a Pringle. So I'm sitting there all by myself, um, at this table and she had these little cards, quote cards, like love quotes on the tables. And she had one in front of me and, and I flipped it over and it said, love does not consist in gazing at each other 
but in looking together the same direction. And I just was like, that's it. That's the answer. So I still have that card. I actually have it in the front of my Bible. My sister, um, my sister is an artist and she recently rebound my Bible and put all of the things that are special to me into the cover. And that was one of the things that she put into the cover because it changed the trajectory of my life. Wow. That's, that is not the story I thought you were going to tell. So that's awesome. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. That is amazing. And, um, I think that's amazing that you even still have that card just as like a physical stone of remembrance, um, for that answered prayer. How different would your life have been had you not prayed that prayer and, and responded, you know, and thankfully the Lord, kept pursuing you and kept, you know, like didn't just have one person say it, had two people and then had that. Um, I think he knows our hearts and he knew you were ready to be obedient. You just wanted to know for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You I know? love that. I love that. Oh, that's awesome. Well, okay. So the no that I was thinking you were going to share was about chronic health, chronic illness and everything oh, yes. like that. Yeah. Um, which if you feel comfortable, feel free to share. If not, um, Yeah. Yeah. That would be the other biggest no, Mm -hmm. you know, because for four, five, well, no, it'd be more like five years. Um, I've had a chronic illness that affects my skin. Um, it's, it's pretty gross. Um, and I identify strongly with the references in scripture to leprosy based on how it looked and how, what it did. Um, it wasn't leprosy, but you know, it, it felt like it, um, spiritually, I guess you could say emotionally. So I prayed for years that this disease would go away. We, I was anointed with oil and prayed over according to what James Mm -hmm. says. Um, multiple churches I visited when I was on my speaking tours would pray over me because it was obvious. It was clearly there. Um, and nothing changed for five years until this last year after I had my son, Ivan, um, my symptoms just went away. And at first, I think when you live with illness for that long, you are like, well, it's just a matter of time. It's, it's going to come back. It's really hard to be hopeful mm-hmm. um, because you're just used to it going in cycles and coming back over and over. And so it can be easy even to stop praying. Well, this is just life now. But I did try very hard to make a habit of continuing to ask mm-hmm. for this to be healed instead of just saying, well, this is how it is now. Even while I did learn to live with it, and um, right now we're just praising God for healing. We're just calling it that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, have you ever had a time where you felt like God has called you to stop praying for something? I know that's like, it's, I feel like it's not a conversation that I hear a lot and, and it's kind of confusing because, you know, we hear in scripture to be persistent in prayer. But I have read stories of people who just know this is when you stop praying and you start either acting or you praise him or you, you know, there's some shift in us 
have you ever felt that in a in a like to where you just knew that this was it or and if not I mean I haven't experienced that but I'd be curious if uh, I'll have to start asking that question because I because I haven't heard that that's a good question I can't think of anything specifically um well I guess if you go back to the example of this guy that I liked Mm -hmm. um there was a season after that when I realized like this is not where God is leading me I did continue to pray for his salvation for probably a couple of years Um, And eventually I did feel at peace to stop praying for his salvation. Um, And I think a part of that was, you know, I met Josh Mm -hmm. and I think the Lord was just completely closing that door because sometimes when we continue to pray over something, I think the Lord knows the human heart. He knows the emotions that we feel. And sometimes praying over something perpetuates the emotions attached to it. And so I think that he closed that door and, you know, he, he can bring heart. Yeah, yeah. To, to say that this is over now. Um, and I think you have to have confidence in his sovereignty that he can bring other people who can bear yep. that for that person. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. You know, we can feel so responsible, like, how can I stop? But it's, we're, we're trusting that the Lord can, can speak to somebody else just as easily as he spoke to us. So I love that. I think that's a great, a very, um, very specific way um, that you heard a no or not a no, but a, you can, you can let go of this. Yeah. It's very interesting. So how was prayer modeled for you in your life? Um, Or was it? I'm pretty sure I know the answer. So that's why I framed it like that. But yeah, 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 tell us what that looked like for you. It was modeled. I was fortunate to have parents who did model this for me. Um, They prayed at every meal. um, But our meal prayers were not like formulas. They would invite us to pray. You know, there were six of us kids. And so they would invite us to pray over the meal. Um, and we tended to be very, as kids do, formulaic, you know, the usual mm-hmm. prayer. But they would encourage us, you know, pray for somebody or something today. My dad would usually set that example for us. They prayed for us at bedtime. They'd come in sometimes after they thought we were asleep and I'd, um, you know, feel them praying over us. Or we'd Aww. see them in the morning when we got up. They, they'd yeah. be doing Bible study and praying. And I think if I remember correctly, my mom often wrote out her prayers or at least um, was praying while she did her Bible study. So I did have it modeled to me. And so when I, when I was saved at 15, I did start to actively pray. And I would say I was even saved. I was saved through prayer. I mean, all of us are, I guess, but Mm -hmm. I was saved. Um, alone. I was alone. I was praying alone, um, on our property and just thinking through like why I felt like I couldn't be good enough. Like why couldn't I obey God? Like why couldn't I do the right things? It felt too overwhelming and came into an understanding of grace based out of what we see in scripture. And through that really what it was, was a prayer of me saying like, I don't understand. I don't understand how to do this. Um, that's when I 
surrendered my life to the Lord. So it was modeled for me and it was modeled for me for a long time before I was saved. And I think you don't think of 15 years as very old until you're a parent and you want your kid to be saved before 15, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know? Um, and so I think that, um, that encourages me now as a mom to know that I said a prayer at six and it wasn't, I wasn't saved, but I was saved at 15 because my parents continued to model that for me. Yeah. You know, as I've had conversations with people about, um, whether prayer was modeled or not, I've noticed that if it was modeled, there's more of a a comfortableness with praying in front of people or with other people. And um, it may not necessarily be like a friend, I mean, a a parent, um, but it may be, you know, like a friend or a mentor, somebody like, um, I guess I want to encourage people who are maybe listening and thinking, oh, that wasn't modeled for me. So I'm not going to have the same prayer life or the same head start, I guess. Um, I would encourage you to find somebody that you can pray with encourage someone that that can just pray over you that you can hear those words um I know in the book um pray confidently and consistently I feel like I have to say that just in case it's confusing to say in the book but um I talk about um hearing the prayers of Jesus in the Bible like in in Gethsemane like when he said Lord take this cup from me um Mm -hmm. if it's your will and but not your will but mine be done there is no way we would have just the natural bent to pray that prayer if we had not heard that from Jesus. Mm, um, yeah. It makes prayer possible when we get to hear that. So if you're listening and you just feel like um, disappointed that maybe you didn't have that, like you missed out on that, it's not too late. You can still have that in some way. But I would also encourage you to know that if you're a mom or a dad and you, or you just have any kids in your life, you can model this for them. You can be that person, um, who shares prayer with them. And I I just think those are powerful things and, um, there's just so much hope in it either way. So I hope you feel encouraged by that. Um, well, Felicia, I would love to ask you now, um, you know, like, I know you've seen so much growth in your prayer life over that time, like since you've been 15, um, and accepted Jesus, or um, became a believer, would you tell us what you long for your prayer life to grow, uh, to continue growing into? We know that there, this side of heaven, we will always have room to grow uh, in our prayer life. So what is it that you maybe you've seen in an older prayer warrior or something that you just think, this is what I would love to grow in my prayer life? A couple of things, and I'm actively working on these now. Um, one is just increase my capacity for the prayer requests of others. Um, it's been very difficult for me as somebody who's very empathetic. To, I have a, I have a narrow capacity for um, a lot of prayer requests because it mm-hmm. starts to feel very overwhelming emotionally. And so yeah, I'm yeah. working on figuring out how to, structure my life so I have that capacity because I've discovered that certain things will suck my capacity. Social media sucks my capacity to have empathy towards people in my real life. I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't have it anymore because there's so many other 
things that seem to be important and around the world is so many terrible things to pray for that I don't, I feel overwhelmed when I get multiple prayer requests from people in my real life. So cutting out social media consumption has increased my capacity Mm -hmm. and I would like that to grow. And then the second thing is integrating fasting again. I used to fast somewhat regularly when I was younger and, and then I had kids and I was either breastfeeding or pregnant or, you know, um, just busy and had not made it a practice. And so a mom friend and I have decided to use Tuesdays as our day to fast from breakfast to dinner. And then we hold each other accountable and share with each other what we're praying for that day while we're fasting. And so that's been really helpful. And I would encourage anyone who's considering fasting to start out by doing it with a friend because it can Mm -hmm. be very helpful um, to help you um, accomplish it. I love those. Okay. So going back to the, having the capacity, I, um, I always think about Jesus and how, you know, like he was around 12, um, and he didn't stray too far from home. I don't remember the exact miles, but, um, you know, in our world today, we know every GoFundMe from six persons removed of like what's going on in their life. And I think this attributes a lot to our anxiety um, of just knowing so much heartache. And I have felt the same way that like, when you know all this, you do not have capacity for the people in your life who are struggling. And, um, and it feels like people in your life are too much. I'm doing quote unquote, like, it feels like they're too much, but they're not too much. It's just that we are just overloaded because of other things. So I'm really glad you shared that. That's like a, um, a very, like, I don't want to say nuanced thing to think about, but I, I just think that that's powerful when you just think, okay, I do feel overwhelmed. And the answer is not just let everything overwhelm you and just take the burdens of everything. It's, give up some of the burdens that we're carrying. So um, thanks for sharing that. And fasting, guys, we are going to talk about fasting soon because we do have a whole chapter of it in the book. And um, it's not something we hear talked about a lot. And part of that is just because the Bible talks about not bragging about fasting. So I think we kind of misinterpret that to, you know, we don't want to share when we're fasting so that we don't talk about it later. So um that is definitely something I'm working on getting back into too. I've been on lots of different medication that requires meals and um, yeah, it's it's definitely something that I've felt powerful in my life before and and want to do more of. Well, I'm excited to hear what you have to say about that because you're right. I think because it says don't celebrate your fasting, we think that means don't talk about fasting (laughs) and it's helpful to talk about it. Somebody's got to talk about it, please, you know, so we can hear well, Felicia, thank you so much for coming on and just chatting. I, I know this is going to be so encouraging to our audience. Um, and I would love it if you would close us in prayer and just pray for our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. Father, thank you so much for everyone who's listening to this. And thank you for the work that Val does through this resource and her book and her journals. I thank you that she has created resources that can help us learn how to approach you and discipline ourselves to seek your face because we know that as we seek you, you are always found by us. And so I pray that for those who are maybe just starting their journey and who are unsure about how to do this, that they would just concentrate on that principle of seeking 
and trusting that you are found by those who seek your face. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, Felicia. I appreciate you being here.